You're a piece of scumbag liberal horseshit. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Hey everybody, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Episode 508 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host today, just today though, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined today by the normal other host of the program, the lovely, talented, scholarly, a Brittany Page. I'm doing some reading. Sorry, I wasn't listening to what you were saying. Hopefully you didn't insult me um, because we... Because yeah, that's normally how I start the show. Well, you never know. With You're a little jab to Brittany Page. I'm trying to spice things up. Uh, <laughs> we went to dinner the other day. We did go to dinner the other day. And it was not a great situation in terms of the service, but that's fine. And um, it seemed like everything was off. Yeah, it was a really weird situation that was happening. But the strangest part of it was they had a cocktail menu and it actually said cocktails. That's right. Okay. Tequila. And a vodka cocktail. Well, now I'm reading it because it said fermented tequila. Remember? Yeah, but I just thought it was like some artisan weird thing. Yeah, but apparently fermented is different than distilled. And this is like a liquor license workaround. Oh. And so anyway, what happened was I ordered a margarita that had this fermented tequila. And I, you know, didn't know. I just ordered it. I'm like, oh, fermented tequila. Sure, let's try it. Whatever that means. I'm into fermentation. Yeah. You know, it's like a science experiment in the kitchen all the time. So With your hot sauce and your pickles. Yeah, so I would have been into that. Like, oh, what is that? Yeah, so I got it. And this was like drinking a, a juice. It was There was no alcohol in it. It was... There was nothing in this. Well, I mean, the- I go wine tasting at Trader <laughs> Joe's and I have two little thimbles full of wine and I feel drunk, you know. <laughs> After and your first drink, you're like, I don't feel anything. Yeah, I right felt now. nothing. Yeah. I felt absolutely nothing. And that is unheard of. Right. Halfway and so through your first drink, you're feeling good. Right. And so I ordered their house Negroni. Okay, it was called a Negroni. <laughs> and they bring it over and it tastes like a Coke. It's like I'm drinking a Coke. Yeah, like a real syrupy Coke. Yeah, I'm like, what yeah. the hell is with these drinks? Again, didn't really feel anything. A, a couple sits down next to us, and they have a different waiter, and the they start ordering from the cocktail menu. Should not say cocktails, by the way, because she says, oh, yeah, we don't have a liquor license, so all of our drinks are wine-based. Wine-based, yeah. Come on, man. So there was not hard liquor, in the drinks, but it says cocktails, and no one said anything about that as I'm ordering them, <laughs> wondering why they taste like candy. And, and the worst, look, it's one thing if you're getting a discount because they're not really cocktails. Not the case, full price. Yeah. Full cocktail price, as though it's just tequila rich. Right. So it was quite a disappointment. We will not be naming the restaurant. No, of course not. But that seems like an important thing to tell people, right? It's And quit calling it cocktails on the menu. Yeah. They're not cocktails. They're mocktails. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, they are. I didn't come up with that term. Don't act impressed. Um, I'm just impressed that you pulled it mm. when you did. Perfect timing. Yeah. It, it is. It reminds me, though, that we both used to be like Yelp people. Unfortunately. Yeah. Embarrassingly yeah. so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like. It's a, time, it's a time in my life that I regret <laughs> we both went through and deleted every one of our reviews from our profiles uh, i left some of them that i wrote for friends that oh owned i did not i just deleted them all yeah um and i know it's embarrassed this is like a coming clean kind of a thing embarrassed i didn't even talk to you about talking about this but um the reason i don't want to name the business is because they're not in the business to try to yeah we're gonna fucking get over on people they want to have good food. They want to have good service. They want to please the public. They failed in this case. So I don't want to be the guy I used to be that's like, oh, I'm going to give this place a one star. You know, it's, who the fuck am I mm-hmm. to give a review of a place 
that maybe he was just having a bad night and then my review forever is going to be online. Mm -hmm. In this case, not because I was able to delete them. Right. But uh, not great. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. Well, and I, there was a kind of cool community that was built around Yelp. Um, you were able to become, quote, quote unquote, Again, it's all douchey. Yelp elites. Right. And, but it was actually kind of cool to be Yelp elite because you got invited to these parties with free food and you could like network with people. And we actually met really close friends that we have still today. That, through it. Yeah, yeah, that we met through a Yelp elite event. So, yeah, I mean, it. good things came out of it. It was douchey, but, you know, we all make mistakes. You know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm, happy, I'm happy about this, and this is kind of a, a two to the horn, but I'm happy that I'm a grown-up enough now. N not so much, you know, so long ago, but a, a grown-up enough to say, yeah, that was an embarrassing fucking time in my life, and I don't think that was cool. Mm -hmm. Not a fan. I, well, I, we all have those things. Yeah, right? but I'm I'm saying that I used to be a guy who never would have admitted mm. I would have justified it or whatever the fuck. Not the case anymore. That's that's a. I'm not going to go as far as to say that's a dark time in my past, mm -hmm. but it's certainly not something I'm I'm super proud of. You know. Yeah. Ugh. The history, Brittany. The good, history. Good times. So anyway, last time on the show. Uh, we played a voicemail from Marcus from North Carolina, um, and he indicated that he was uh, jokingly, I better preface this real quick before I'm playing the straight man here, um, that he was unhappy that we had maligned him and he was going to hire his lawyer. Yeah, here's the clip. First, there was some flagrant defamation of my character with regard to my feelings about Bill Barr a few episodes ago. I won't be responding to those comments, but you'll be hearing from my lawyer. And then, indeed, we did hear from Marcus's lawyer, if you remember. Hello, I am Marcus's lawyer, and as Marcus's lawyer, even I must say that he has no claim against Jesse or Brittany and the remarks made on their show about Marcus's opinion on Attorney General Bill Barr. I have consulted with my client, Marcus, and this matter is now closed. Again, I am Marcus's lawyer. Clearly, that is Marcus's lawyer. I mean, he, he said it multiple times. It's, it must be true. Clearly, yeah. I mean, when you're a lawyer, you can't just lie. You, you, you're kind of bound to the truth. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently, Marcus is very well represented on multiple continents. Hello, Mr. Dolomore, Ms. Page. I'm calling on behalf of my client, Marcus. This is from his real, actual, non-fictional legal representative at Twats, Wanker and Cunt Chambers. You are to <laughs> cease and desist from defamatory statements and furthermore, Stop colluding with certain residents of Tennessee who will remain nameless at this time. This is no idle threat. Here in Europe, we take the law seriously. And I've got my powdered wig and prepared to unleash a legal onslaught against you should this super dickish behaviour continue. To sum up, carry on and you're fucked, bruv. You understand? <laughs> hmm. That does not sound like a real lawyer. That law firm doesn't sound real. Yeah. Also, I'm, anytime you talk about your powdered wig, I'm skeptical. I'm not going to take you seriously. Yeah, I'm so skeptical. Go ahead and try to indict from across the the the, the sea in your little country. Mm -hmm. Ooh. You know the the dried up husk that America came from, which is I'm ripping off from somewhere, some TV show or something. Uh, I don't think that's a real lawyer. And certainly doesn't hasn't doesn't have bar privileges to practice in these United States of America. So Wayne, eh, go fuck yourself. Bravo. <laughs> the threats were fun though. The threats were the, fun. I like being threatened. Yeah. Especially with such a goofy accent. It makes us feel comfortable. <laughs> anyway, we do have some actual calls, real calls. Last time on the show we talked about um a moment that happened during one of the town halls where Bernie Sanders was asked about giving prisoners, people in prison, the right to vote. Now, I don't remember if I crossed the line into people getting out of jail who are felons um, having the right to vote, but apparently everybody took it that way. So we're going to play three voicemails right in a row of people responding to talk about it, and then we'll respond. 
Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Jen from Long Beach. I wanted to give my input on the discussion you were having on whether um, prisoners, felons, should have the right to vote or not. Uh, where I stand with that is basically on the same place as Pete Buttigieg, mainly because when you go to prison, it's supposed to be a punishment for a crime you committed. Now, as a black woman, I understand completely what I'm saying because there are a lot of black people who are in jail right now for the most dumbest of crimes and just being completely marginalized due to, you know, racism and all of that. Um, I get that. At the same time, it would be very difficult for us to be able to say, okay, let's sort them out. What kind of crime did you commit? Did you commit a nonviolent felony? Okay, you can vote if you committed this crime, if you committed a murder, but you it was not something that you wanted to – if you committed manslaughter, that's the word I was looking for. If you committed manslaughter, then you get to vote because it wasn't something that you were trying to do or – basically, giving those caveats would just make the whole thing very messy and probably cause a lot more problems. So this is the one time where I'm basically like, use a really broad brush. If you are convicted of a felony and you are currently in prison, then all your rights, not the human ones of, you know, your right to live, but your right to vote, to hold a job, like anything like that, that, should, that shouldn't be given. Um, but the moment you are released, you have served your time, you have done your part, then immediately give them the right to vote back. I see no problem with that. It's just giving felons the right to vote. It's not that it's a bad thing, but at the same time, it's like you committed a crime. There needs to be a level of punishment. One so severe that you will think twice before you commit that crime again. And again, I understand that black people are more likely to go to jail for the heinous of crimes. And unfortunately, it is what it is. It sounds very harsh, I know. But conservative me, honestly. Then again, I was never really, like, fully liberal anyway, so. <laughs> That's just my point. Um... Agree, disagree. Would love to hear your thoughts. Okay, bye. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. It's Meg from Arkansas. I wanted to talk about the felons voting issue. Um, my best friend is a nonviolent felon. Um, and here in Arkansas has been restored the right to vote by an application process. And it was reviewed. And now she can vote and has successfully, etc. But what I really think should happen is nonviolent felons, especially once they've paid their debt to society, should be able to have that right to vote. I don't know how I feel about inmates voting. I, I really don't know how I feel about that. But once your debt to society has been paid, absolutely vote, please. We need the votes. Republican, Democrat, it really doesn't matter at this point. We need people that actually vote and people that actually still care even after being in the prison system or what have you. We need people that care. So, that's all I got to say about that. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye! Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. It's Mary from Moreno Valley, California. I'm calling in to add my two cents to the conversation about whether or not prisoners should be allowed to vote. And when I first heard this discussion, you know, first what Bernie had to say and then Pete Buttigieg's response, I sort of agreed with Pete that people should lose their right to vote while they're incarcerated, but then immediately be re-enfranchised once they are released. However, the next day, I noticed on Twitter that many of the Black activists that I have started following 
had different opinions. So I thought, you know, it might be time to do some research on this. And, you know, all the points that Brittany brought up, um, I agree with. But an additional thing that I discovered is the way that the census counts prisoners as part of the census, even though they are not allowed to vote. So it incentivizes all these little towns that build these prisons to incarcerate as many people as possible so that their census count is high, so they have an outsized amount of power, which is very concerning to me, along with, you know, the whole problem of mass incarceration and racial justice and so many things that we're trying to figure out right now. But that was just an additional thing, aside from the fact that the proportion of people of color in prison far outweighs the percentage of people in the local population and the fact that sentences are not meted out equally based on race. There's just so many problems, but it has caused me to feel that I do think prisoners should have the right to vote. I don't know what I think about the minutia of, you know, very serious offenders, murderers, and rapists, and all that. However, I guess if you are saying that one person, one vote, every person has the right to vote in America, then everyone should have the right to vote. And it was definitely something to think about and a good conversation to have. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. So I, I thank you for all of those calls, uh, Jen and Meg and Mary. We appreciate them all. And I like what Mary said there at the end about how she had her own reaction, right? Yeah. yeah. And then she went on Twitter the next day and a lot of the black activists that she followed uh, were saying something different. And so she thought to herself, huh? Maybe I need to find more information on this. It's exactly what I wrote down. I wanted to talk and about too. So God damn it. it. Do we need more people like this? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Where rather than logging on and seeing like different opinions and saying, well, screw these people. Mary said, huh, maybe there's like something I'm missing here. I need to read a little bit more. Yeah, it didn't dig her in her heels. She gave space to another opinion. Right. Yeah. Which is great. And I think that we're all trying to do that on this show. Me and you, all of us, me and you. <laughs> Uh, well, Popeye's here too. Yeah, <laughs> at Bully Popeye. Um, never, never miss a moment. But I, I like that she said that because that's really what happened to me too, and that's why I love Twitter. I know there's a lot of problems with Twitter. Yeah, many, many problems with Twitter. It can be a cesspool for sure. Well, mainly also because Jack, the CEO. He's one of those like wearing a beanie in the summertime guys. That's my <laughs> biggest issue. That seems really hot <laughs> and, and he's unnecessary. Got a, he's got a nose ring and like this scraggly goatee. Everything's appearance based for me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> Twitter can be a problem. But what I love about it is you can really create your own feed. Now, that can be good and bad, right? Yeah, for sure. But I follow a lot of black activists, too. And doing that... Um, really helps me see information that I probably wouldn't normally see. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that, I think, informs my worldview, helps give me new information. So I appreciate Mary highlighting that because I think that that is something that's really aspirational for a lot of people to be like that. Um, or maybe they're not like that and don't want to be like that, but I hope that they eventually become like that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very, very good. Yeah. Um, I would say this, and I kind of had, there's been a seismic shift in my position just because of last night's Patreon call. Yeah, our Patreon, our monthly Patreon video hangout calls that we do. And we had some listeners on there and the discussion took the turn towards should prisoners who are in prison be able to vote, felons who are in prison be able to vote. And it, you changed your mind pretty rapidly. Well, I'm, listen, I, um... I have a lot of respect for the Constitution and our system of government and the rule of law. Show a lot of deference to that document. And Mikey from Illinois, he just asked a couple of questions. Are prisoners still citizens of the United States? Yes. Well, then why aren't they allowed to vote? That's it seems pretty cut and dry. There is no mechanism in the Constitution by which that their the, the right of vote would be removed. 
So they should retain the right to vote. And, and this is even while in prison. So that libertarian, you know, we were making jokes about it last night, but that libertarian mindset, that, romantic, that, that romanticizing of libertarianism kind of reared its head. And in this case, is pretty right. Why would you remove their right to vote? You're not giving them their freedom back. You're, you know, you're not uh, intervening in their their rehabilitation slash, you know, more so punishment. You're just allowing them to vote. They're not voting for their 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 shorter sentence. That's anyway. I it it really made it pretty simple for me. Now, the the question for, it went on the discussion. And if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about it, then we need to amend the Constitution, which eh, I might be amenable to, to amending the Constitution to say, uh, if you're convicted of a violent felony, you no longer have the right to vote. I could I could get behind a discussion about that. I could even you know get, that if you're in prison, that's when your vote is is postponed until you're out. I, I could get behind that too. Um, but that's a process. There is a very lengthy, involved process to amend the Constitution, which, um, including the 10 First Amendments, which are the Bill of Rights, has only been amended, has only been changed 27 times. So only 17 times since the late 18 or the late 1700s. It's not a lot. So. Again, uh, one one more instance of me vacillating on my beliefs <laughs> when presented with a, a pretty fucking good argument. Yeah, I think I think that's a good thing, right? Um, but I also think it's important to continue the conversation. Absolutely. And so we definitely want to hear from you if you, while listening to this conversation, had an additional thought. Maybe you've changed your mind. Maybe there was new information that you've learned that that swayed you. We'd we'd love to hear you talk about it. So 657-464-7609 or send a voice memo that is under three minutes, please, to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Yes. Um, I believe you have um, pew, 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 some pew, polling pew, data. Pew, 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 Pro- pew. Probably not from Pew. It is not from Pew. But anytime I get a chance to use the Pew Drop, I use the Pew Drop. Yeah. Uh, it's not from Pew, but that's okay. It is a morning consult analysis of... It was a survey of more than 13,000 U.S. adults. Mm-hmm. and So pretty wide-ranging. Yes, I would say so. And they evaluated the kind of cultural shift or cultural change that has happened with people rallying against political correctness. Yeah. Right? People <laughs> having a lot of strong feelings yeah. about political correctness. And this divide, it seems, in America of people who are really concerned about political correctness and then people who are actually really concerned about prejudice. I have the the theme song here for the political correctness crowd. <laughs> so yeehaw! Taking away my right to free speech, y'all! There were some really, really interesting results in here. Oh, you... Popeye perked up when you whistled uh, at Bully Popeye. And um, so a majority, according to this poll, a majority of the critics of political correctness culture still feel that they are able to freely express themselves on a variety of issues. Wait, wait, wait. So they, in the same breath, say that political correctness is a problem relative to stifling people's free speech while simultaneously believing, yeah, I have total freedom to say anything I want without uh, feeling suppressed. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that's that's kind of it. Yeah. Those two things don't jive. Yeah, I would say so. Um, and again, that was a majority of, of yeah, the, yeah. the PC culture critics. So, for example... Um, For those who were concerned about there being too much political correctness, 70% of those people felt that it's acceptable for them to express their own opinions about immigration. Okay, 70%. Yeah. Um, And then you had 70% again for politics. 
Okay, so they feel comfortable expressing their opinions yeah. about immigration, politics, a majority of them. Um, but they feel there's too much political correctness. It's kind of confusing. Around the issue, too. Yeah, a little yeah. confusing, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> that's what they do. But the interesting thing here is that they this, this poll, their argument, right, um, based on this data that they have, they say that it suggests that this whole concern about PC culture doesn't really come down to an issue of or a concern about free speech. Because if that were the case, you wouldn't be finding a majority of people who are concerned about political correctness being a problem um, speaking freely on issues, right? They would feel like they can't talk about immigration. You would see that number kind of plummet, right? But naturally, that would be the assumption. Yeah. So the findings suggest that views of race and gender-based privilege and discrimination, not free speech, serve more as a dividing line in the political correctness culture war. Okay. This is a direct quote from them. Uh, which has devolved into debates over which words we can and can't use. And they go on to say, those who say there is too much prejudice are three times more likely than those who say there is too much political correctness to say discrimination, racism, and sexism aren't taken seriously enough. Hmm. But there is a pretty um, even divide here. So in this survey... 48% of Americans said there is too much political correctness in the country today. 48%. Right. Wow. And then 52% said there is too much prejudice in the country today. So you have this almost even divide of people that are concerned about the political correctness issue and then people that are concerned about prejudice. I wonder on the, the Venn diagram of these people, if they're where where people fall who say there is too much political correctness and there's too much discrimination because mm-hmm. those two things can exist at the same time for sure yeah i just the 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 the, the political correctness anti political correctness people it just it's how you define what political correctness is and i believe they're defining it wrong radically incorrectly that political correctness is just decency it's like I'm going to call you by your whatever pronoun uh, that you know you're born with, not what you prefer. Well, why? What the fuck does it matter to you if someone wants to be called them or they? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It, it's not a breakdown of society. It's not damaging to the culture. No one is harmed by it except for the person who is not being treated the way they want to be treated. That doesn't put you out to treat them that way. Well, it's fucking weird. It's not about PC. It's about decency to another person. Well, so going going back to that of how to define it, uh, something interesting that they did they they found that thirty four percent considered themselves politically correct, um, but seventy five percent said that they quote avoid saying and doing things that could be perceived as insulting to people who are different than them. <laughs> Which is really, I mean, if you were going to define yeah. the term, that would be a pretty good definition of the term, well, right? Well, somebody asked me, are you politically correct? I, I, would, I wouldn't give an a-, a yes or no. I don't fucking know. What well, does that mean? Right, because it is so variable, right? Yeah. And it largely has a negative connotation right now. Yeah, that's, not, but that's certainly not why I would answer no, because I, I don't fucking... I mean, it's like, are you a feminist? I guess I am. I want everyone to be treated equally. And people who have been um, systemically oppressed over the over the years to to get a hand up and a heads. I, sure, I, I guess. But I'm an I'm an egalitarianist. I want everybody to be fucking equal. Yeah. If you want to put me in that. Yeah, great. I know I don't oppose it, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. So it's very jumbled and didn't make any sense, but we're going to leave it. So just two more um, interesting pieces from the survey. 72% of Americans said they agreed, quote, the rules about what you can and cannot say are changing so fast. It's difficult to keep up. And also 56% of Americans agreed, quote, it's unfair that some groups can use certain phrases to describe themselves, oh, but I can't. Wow. <laughs> wow. So if, if you pull that group, 100% of them say, why don't we have a white history month? 
Why isn't there a white entertainment television? Those idiots. It was um, 43% of Democrats and 74% of Republicans. Wow. 43% of Democrats, though. Mm -hmm. Look, look, but going back to the, not that point, but the previous one about the rules are changing so rapidly. I believe that's the case. We are seeing a pretty rapid acceptance of, you know, gay marriage. Um, the, the, The trans issue, if you will, has really taken a prominent role. And that's a good fucking thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is going to cause on a macro societal level um, some uncomfortability because it's rapid change. And those things usually take, you know, a stretch out over time that you you kind of uh, you get acclimated to the difference in what is acceptable and what is no longer taboo, if you will. But uh, does it, just because it's happening fast doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully um, people will start to understand that it's it's not about whatever they think political correctness is. It's just about being a kind person who is open and understanding and hopeful about the future (laughs) (laughs) Um, and willing to change as they need to with new information it's really it's it's not that difficult you know that really is the that should be the goal that should be the tipping people over to that side and it's changing with new information yeah you know what i mean yeah i really i mean i think i can speak for both of us that we we really do strive to do that and sometimes i get presented with new information and eh, no, that doesn't make me, doesn't change my mind. It's not as soon as somebody argues against my point, I'm all, oh yeah, okay, well I changed. No, not at all. But when someone gives good fucking points like Mikey on the call last night, how do you argue? You know, if I can't present an argument that's that's better than that or that counters the points, the natural thing to do is to no longer believe the thing you used to believe. Yeah, and I think that that's that's good, but I also think that that's rare. So in for example, you have a majority of the politically col- correct culture critics in this survey feeling like they're free to express themselves, right? So they're not being silenced, but they still want to pretend like there is a concern about free yeah. speech. And so when you hear people say this, right, that things are too politically correct, you can't say what you want to say anymore, maybe the next question should be what do you feel like you are unable to say yeah. in this new culture, right? Yeah, and save it if it's that you can't use the N-word, but you hear rappers use it. <laughs> yeah, and, and and try to get them to answer the question. And yeah. hopefully if they take your position and they can't, can't find themselves, they can't find an answer, yeah. right? Then maybe they should do some work on that and evaluate their position on what they're feeling. Uh, But most of the time, if you ask that question uh, and then they're unable to answer it, they'll just uh, double down and get very angry at you. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) That's for sure what happens. Or if it's their part of the thread on like, you know, the leg of a thread, Mm -hmm. they'll just delete it and then all the comments are gone. Yeah. (laughs) On Facebook. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Which should not be allowed to happen. God damn it. You don't think people should be able to delete their comments? I I don't know. I don't really get involved in the Facebook arguing anymore, but I don't either. It's crazy how things have changed. But I that always bothered me. Like, look, I, we just spent an hour, 2 hours, however long going through this thing, and then you just delete the main comment and everything goes with it. That's oh, yeah. fucking I, lame. I remember getting so angry and saying, "You've silenced me." <laughs> <laughs> Like, calm down. You're going to be fine. Calm down. How dare you, sir? All right. Well, we, we we would love to hear what you guys think about this. 657-464-7609. Of course, email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. 
If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We have two new beautiful Patreon supporters. Yes. Erica. Erica. And King Superman. King Superman? Yeah. Well, thank you, your Roy- Royal Highness. Uh, we appreciate the support very much. Mm-hmm. Every little bit does go a long way, especially when it's out of the royal coffers. Exactly. <laughs> I always wonder, you know, do sometimes do trolls become Patreon supporters to get behind the the wall so that they can have access to the Patreon only content. Oh yeah. But then I'm like, are they really gonna like invest their money in doing that? Listen. That seems hard to believe. Right. That would- I understand hate listening and like wasting your time and your life energy and your just life. But <laughs> money seems a little bit different. I don't know. I would have thought I w- that would have been my opinion a f- couple months ago. But I also would have held the opinion that people don't hate listen a couple months ago. And we've since learned abso-fucking-lutely. Like hate listen to every episode. Yeah, who absolutely listen to every episode, who hate the fuck out of our views. And I think they're kind of the the facts don't care about your feelings kind of a dickbags. So they, they think that they're given just fair play, but they're just trolls. Yeah, it's fucking probably trolls. not good for the heart. Not good for the blood pressure. It's fine for my heart. If I can listen away, I no, love I'm the talking stat. about their heart and oh, their blood yeah. pressure. Likely not. <laughs> what is good for your heart, though, is rating and reviewing Ooh. the show on iTunes. Exactly. And we're really going to need, if you haven't rated and reviewed the show, to go do it now because now those hate listeners that I just shit on are, are likely going to go leave a review that's not going to be a positive one. So please help counteract the trolls, everybody. Go, if you are a iTunes, if you are an Apple Podcast listener, go and rate and review the program. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Uncle Joe is in the race officially. And he... Let me tell you, this is... This is what happens in presidential politics. You get experts in communication involved. You get experts in messaging. You get dramatic music played over a scripted response announcement video that makes you feel like, fuck yeah, that's a good guy. That's the guy I might want to vote for. This guy is ingratiating himself to me, and I'm falling for it. Up to this point, I have been very dedicated to the idea of not shitting on the Democratic candidates. That's not going to be the case with Joe Biden. He's stepped on his dick, as I say, or as is said, too many times. He holds too many Republican-like beliefs that I'm not down with. First, I guess I should have played the announcement video and then gone in to the litany of reasons why I don't believe he's the guy. Um, So let's, I guess I'll do that. Charlottesville, Virginia, is home to the author of one of the great documents in human history. We know it by heart. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. We've heard it so often, it's almost a cliche, but it's who we are. We haven't always lived up to these ideals. Jefferson himself didn't, but we have never before walked away from them. Charlottesville is also home to a defining moment for this nation in the last few years. It was there on August of 2017 we saw Klansmen and white supremacists and neo-Nazis come out in the open. Their crazed faces, illuminated by torches, veins bulging and burying the fangs of racism chanting the same anti-Semitic bile heard across Europe in the 30s. And they were met by a courageous group of Americans. And a violent clash ensued. And a brave young woman lost her life. And that's when we heard the words of the President of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the conscience of this nation. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides very fine people on both sides with those words the president of the united states 
assigned a moral equivalence between those spreading hate and those of the courage to stand against it. And in that moment, I knew the threat to this nation was unlike any I had ever seen in my lifetime. I wrote at the time that we're in the battle for the soul of this nation. Well, that's even more true today. We are in the battle for the soul of this nation. I believe history will look back on four years of this president and all he embraces as an aberrant moment in time. But if we give Donald Trump eight years in the White House, he will forever and fundamentally alter the character of this nation, who we are. And I cannot stand by and watch that happen. The core values of this nation are standing in the world our very democracy, everything that has made America, America is at stake. That's why today I'm announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. Folks, America is an idea, an idea that's stronger than any army, bigger than any ocean, more powerful than any dictator or tyrant. It gives hope to the most desperate people on earth. It guarantees that everyone is treated with dignity and gives hate no safe harbor. It instills in every person in this country the belief that no matter where you start in life, there's nothing you can't achieve if you work at it. That's what we believe. And above all else, that's what's at stake in this election. We can't forget what happened in Charlottesville. Even more important, we have to remember who we are. This is America. So, uh, listen. It is, look, I don't think Joe Biden is a bad guy. I just think his moment, his moment is past. And he missed, his, he missed his moment to be president of the United States. I also think it's a little weird and weak to, ultimately this message conveyed to me, hey, Trump is the Nazi guy. I'm not a Nazi guy. Elect Joe Biden. That shouldn't be the high watermark. That shouldn't be the standard by which we elect our leaders that oppose Donald Trump. Not There's not a fucking one of the other 19 officially in the race candidates who would disagree with anything Joe Biden just said relative to uh, what took place in Charlottesville, Virginia. Not a one. It is the other things that Joe Biden has represented that bother me. Uh, back in January of 2018, he really put himself out there as the, the old back in my day, we walked uphill both ways to the school in the snow, (laughs) talking about, uh, millennials and he has no empathy for them that their struggles do not compare to those of the past. Look, I lived through the sixties and seventies. What these kids, uh, they're cream puffs now. What exactly is that quote? Yeah, this was when he was promoting his book, and it was in, in an interview with the Los Angeles Times. He said, quote, the younger generation now tells me how tough things are. Give me a break. No, no, I have no empathy for it. Give me a break. Awesome. And you want to be president of the United States of America representing millions and millions and millions of millennials. Did you say that quote was from 2018? Yeah. Okay. January 2018. Yeah. Um, no, you're not my guy. Well, you're I- not, you're not my guy because there are very real issues and struggles that are faced that are unique to that generation. So going back to what Mary said in her call, uh, a similar thing happened when Joe Biden announced his candidacy um, with the black activists that I follow on Twitter, where it's interesting that he chose the Charlottesville rally to focus on for his uh, announcement because yeah. he doesn't have the best record on race issues throughout his political career. Remember, he's been in politics for decades. Yeah, almost f- almost f- 40 or 50 years he's been in he's been in Washington. Yeah, so he has this long political record that is going to be scrutinized. And it is going to be scrutinized, unlike any other year in the past when he ran. Right. And one of the issues that is being brought up by ba- black activists on Twitter is the segregation issue and how he was opposed to busing as a form of remedy for segregation. Yeah. Busing students into white schools, white areas, so that they 
could learn in environments with each other rather than be separated. Yeah. Um, he also seemed to say in previous writings that he didn't believe black children could learn only if they, quote, sit next to white children. He said that it wasn't necessary for black kids to, quote, rub shoulders with right, white ones. Yeah. So he had these not great views about race. He, he had these incorrect views. That exactly. That proven proven through time to be fucking wrong. Right. But the majority of Americans felt that way, and so did Joe Biden. He wasn't a trailblazer. He didn't lead the way on progress. He went along to get along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and remember, he was very against busing. Yes. So it, it wasn't like just a casual, oh, yeah, I don't really think that's a good idea. No, it was... very staunch he was very strong in his position against busing and so there are all of these questions coming up now of will biden be answering these questions about his previous positions on race what are his views on race now does he reflect on this and regret it and you also have a conversation popping up now surrounding anita hill and joe biden's behavior during the clarence thomas confirmation hearings where anita hill testified that clarence thomas had sexually harassed her and the way that she was treated during that questioning when he was the chairman of the judiciary committee the chairman he wasn't a powerless ranking member right he was the fucking chairman and evidently he called anita hill to apologize but not um she was unimpressed yeah he (laughs) The thing is, he's not really apologizing for his treatment of her because he doesn't believe he did anything wrong. And I think he reaffirmed that when he made his uh, appearance on The View. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But she was not happy with this. And also, you know, you've had a long time to call, dude. You've had a long time to reach out. You know where she is. You can get a hold of her. You have the resources. And you only did this right before you announced that you're running for president because you want to say, oh, yeah, I did call her and we're good. She says we're not good. Yeah, she she's like, no, I'm not. Not enough. Yeah, not impressed. I know what's going on here. No thanks. Right. So look, my thing, and I really, I really wanted to go forward being, um, open. You know, minor criticisms of you know we've talked about the Bernie Sanders thing over and over, uh, and I still hold those positions about him. I think he's he would be a great he would be a great candidate. He'll do great. Um, I'm not ruling him out now. Again, this is a two a bifurcated conversation about the election. One conversation is primary. The other conversation, excuse me, the other conversation is uh, is general election. If it's Joe Biden and Donald Trump, you goddamn bet your ass I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. But in primary, I'm not going to support this guy. Fuck no. No, not going to do it. He's, one, too old. He's also refusing to rule out running again if he were to win. You're going to be like 80 years old, dude. We need new, fresh ideas. Not the same way things have been done for 50 fucking years. Yes. And I know there are some people out there who are thinking these other candidates don't have a chance at beating Donald Trump. We need to get behind the old white man. It's too it's too soon for that right now. Yeah, I mean, just let's let's give it a chance for the debates to happen. Let's just let's give everyone a chance, yeah. okay? <laughs> we don't have any having a debate yet. Yeah, I mean, we don't know how massively appealing some of the economic policies that are being rolled out by the Democrats are going to be to some Trump supporters who are still suffering and have not felt any upward movement. Elizabeth Warren picking up steam, everybody. And so these are things that we want to consider. And rather than saying it's hopeless, we aren't going to be able to have a person of color as president. We aren't going to be able to have a woman as president. We need to just fall in line. Rather than saying that, let's say, hey, there's time. Let's get the message out. Let's convince people that there is an opportunity here. Let's start having these conversations. Let's start opening up people's minds to the possibility. And let's do the work that we need to do in order to turn this ship around. Yeah. Well, that's it's turning the ship around that that really we need to focus on. Look, there are two there are two main objectives here. And I don't think one has more importance than the other because they both can be accomplished at the same time. One obviously is getting fucking rid of Donald Trump. 100%. 100%, Brittany. God damn it. The the other thing is really bettering our country through good progressive policy that is going to lead us into the future. 
And if you can find both of those things, a magic moment happens. Yeah. I do also want to say, because I think it was relatively recently that I was like, I like Joe Biden. I like him. And when I was saying that, I was naive and ignorant because I was primarily saying that because he looks cool with ice cream and sunglasses. And... (laughs) He's really friendly and right. he's but like I, a cool guy. Yeah, and he, he like he an- cried at the medal ceremony yeah. and, and he has emotions and he's not afraid to display them or talk about them. And I think all that kind of stuff is great. But when you start evaluating someone in terms of should they be elected president and you start looking into their past and things that they've said about race issues and um, all of this, it's it's not good. And it's not the ideal, right? We want someone who is the best, the best yes. possible person. And also, I don't want any more of these people who feel like they're owed it because they yeah. they put in their dues. They paid their time. They've been doing this for so... <laughs> Hillary Clinton. Yeah, they, they've been doing this for so long. They obtained these other positions that they have just been on this trajectory and this is the natural next step. No. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's not a good enough reason. Here's the here's the other problem I have with Joe Biden, and it is a prediction kind of a problem. Now, it's not really a prediction because it's based on past results. From a, a message discipline, going rogue and saying shit that's going to be a fucking problem, that's going to be the main problem with the Joe Biden candidacy. And mark my words, mark my, I wouldn't even give it 10 days before there's a dust up of something fucking stupid Joe Biden has said. And you don't want to get deep into a general election after he's won the nomination and have him going off, firing off at the hip, some jackassery that gets him in trouble and then tanks his candidacy. And then we have another fucking four years of Donald Trump. This isn't just an election like any other. This is getting rid of an existential threat to our country. That is Donald Trump. It is very important that we make the right move. And that means giving some time here, letting the candidates flesh out their policies, communicate with the American people, sway who they're going to sway. Explain their past positions. We don't have to, to, to put our money on a horse yet. Right. And we shouldn't. Not at all. No. So calm it down. Everybody. God damn it. Including you. I should calm down a lot. <laughs> that is for sure. There is one thing I'm not going to calm down about, though, Brittany. God, I love when that happens. What is it? The fact that Donald Trump sent an envoy to North Korea to secure the release of Otto Warmbier and apparently signed a pledge to pay $2 million for the care of the paralyzed and soon-to-die prisoner of the North Korean government and Kim Jong-un, Otto Warmbier. It was a brazen demand from Kim Jong-un's regime in North Korea to the Trump administration. Sources say a $2 million bill to the U.S. for the hospital care of comatose American student Otto Warmbier. Sources tell CNN the North Koreans insisted that the U.S. sign a pledge to pay the bill before they released the 22-year-old from their custody in 2017. Sources say the bill was presented to U.S. envoy Joseph Yoon, who was sent to North Korea to win the release of the University of Virginia student, and that Yoon signed a pledge to pay it. Tonight, Yoon isn't commenting on whether he signed the pledge, but tells CNN he had strict orders from the Secretary of State and the President. It was clearly understood by me, and Rex Tillerson indeed tell me, get him out. And were those orders from President Trump? I believe they were, yes. The doctor who traveled with Yoon to Pyongyang told the Washington Post he examined Warmbier in an intensive care unit there, that he thought North Korean doctors had done state-of-the-art resuscitation to try to revive Warmbier, and that he was surprised Yoon had to negotiate for Warmbier's release. Yoon would only tell us the negotiations were delicate, and he had no guarantee from the North Koreans when he arrived that he'd be able to leave with Warmbier. In the end, you know, it was a lot of back and forth on that type of arguments I made. Their, point, their, their, their argument was that he was a criminal and that, you know, why would they let out a criminal uh, for no particular reason? I told them then that he was sick. He needed to be taken care of by his parents. Warmbier, who was sentenced to jail for tearing down a propaganda poster in his hotel, died from brain damage shortly after he was brought back to Ohio. 
What caused his injuries remains unclear. The North Koreans said he contracted botulism. Warmbier's parents said he was tortured but refused an autopsy. Tonight, Warmbier's father tells The Washington Post the $2 million demand sounds like, quote, ransom. Otto Warmbier died at the hands of the Kim regime. This is the ultimate cruelty being perpetrated onto the Warmbier family and the people of the United States, I would say. The U.S. has not yet paid that bill, a source tells CNN, but North Korea could still demand it, adding another wrinkle to Donald Trump's already complicated negotiations. Those talks hit a standstill after a failed February summit in Hanoi with Kim. Instead, North Korea's leader today was turning to Russian President Vladimir Putin during a summit in Vladivostok. The two leaders exchanged swords as gifts and talked for three and a half hours on topics including denuclearization. Chairman Kim Jong-un is quite an open person and speaks freely. We had a very detailed conversation. Some experts say Kim's meeting with Putin is a sign that Kim's personal relationship with Trump is in trouble and Kim could be looking elsewhere for partners. Analysts say Kim could be trying to put pressure on President Trump to make concessions and even get under Trump's skin. He likes to be center stage. We all know that. And to have Putin take back center stage from him is something that it, it will aggravate the hell out of him. Neither the White House nor the State Department would comment on the North Koreans' $2 million bill for Otto Warmbier's care. And we have this just in from the North Korean news agency, quoting Kim Jong-un or citing him as saying that the situation on the Korean peninsula is at a standstill, at a critical point where it may return to its original state. And according to this, Kim said the U.S. took a unilateral attitude in bad faith at the summit in Hanoi, Wolf. So we're at a very kind of tricky diplomatic point tonight as Kim kind of weighs in again on the summit in Hanoi, saying the U.S. acted in bad faith. Yeah, tense situation indeed. Brian Todd reporting for us. Thank you. So, and according to the Washington Post, quote, the main U.S. envoy sent to retrieve warm beer signed an agreement to pay the medical bill on instructions passed down from Trump. Yeah. According to two people familiar with the situation, they spoke on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to discuss the matter publicly. The bill went to the Treasury Department where it remained unpaid throughout 2017. And before Donald Trump tweeted about this, denying that any money has been paid to North Korea, the White House was declining to comment on whether or not the bill had been paid. Well, what's that tell you, though? I mean, a decline to comment doesn't look good for the likelihood that they didn't pay it. Well, and then he tweets and says that no money was paid to North Korea for auto warm beer, not $2 million, not anything else. This is not the Obama administration that paid $1.8 billion for four hostages or gave five terrorist hostages plus who soon went back to battle for traitor Sergeant Bergdahl. So that is (laughs) a great way to try to turn things around and have everyone... Uh, look over here, everybody. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, it is whataboutism uh-huh. when they likely paid. And here's the deal about it. Look, th- if they paid, this is effectively a ransom. And we shouldn't, as a matter of policy, be paying ransom because it encourages this, the same type of behavior. Oh, shit. Well, if they're going to be paying us millions of dollars while we're under sanction. Fucking we've got a method by which we can have money funneled into the country. And it may be a bummer. For those individuals that the United States does and has for decades a policy of not uh, negotiating with terrorists and not paying ransom demands. But that is, it is an effective policy. It is a wise policy because you got to look at the bigger picture. And it's not surprising that Donald Trump sent an envoy over there with uh, with the instructions that you get him back no matter fucking what. Because this is about politics for Donald Trump. This is about how he looks. This is about an accomplishment that he can say, hey, look, I got Otto Warmbier back. I got the remains of soldiers back. I don't know that that's ever been verified either. But it's not not a good faith doing it because it's the right thing when it happens with Donald Trump. It's because how is he going to benefit from this? How can he turn this into an electoral or a campaign issue that's going to be a winner for him? That's a bummer. All right. Well, before we go, let's give a real brief synopsis on, because right now there's 20 candidates, 20 Democratic candidates in the race, and we have debates 
that are rapidly, I mean, look, we're gaining ground on those debates. They're going to be here before you know it. It's almost May. It's almost May right now. It is fucking almost May right now, Brittany Page. Mm-hmm. And then we have June, and that's when the debates are. So let's let's talk about this the 16 strong candidates that we've got. Yeah, so according to 538, there are 16 candidates that have now met at least one of the two criteria that has been created by the DNC for candidates to qualify for the debates, the mm-hmm. first two debates. So according to the DNC, candidates qualify for the first two debates by earning at least 1% of the vote in three national or early primary state polls conducted by qualifying pollsters Yeah, or by receiving donations from at least 65,000 unique donors, including at least 200 individual donors in at least 20 states. Yeah. Okay. So according to 538... 16 people have have met that criteria. By, by the way, just as an aside, if you've got a candidate out there and they're they're trending low, send them 5 bucks. Get them over that mark. Even if it's somebody you don't want to support maybe for president, but you want to see their ideas heard. You want to, them to maybe move the needle a little bit relative to the rhetoric. Donate 5 bucks, give them some money. Mm-hmm. That's the best way unfortunately right now in American politics. To, to create some movement. Yeah. So for the candidates that have met both the polls and the donor, we have Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, Beto O'Rourke, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Andrew Yang. Okay. So those are the yeah. candidates that have met the polling criteria the do- and the donor criteria. Yeah, for sure. And then additionally, uh, you have Joe Biden, Cory Booker. Uh, Julian Castro, John Delaney, Kirsten Gillibrand, John Hickenlooper, Jay Inslee, Governor of uh, Washington, Amy Klobuchar, Tim Ryan, and Tulsi Gabbard. Mm -hmm. Now, Tulsi Gabbard, all those people I just named are in it for the polls. They've met the poll criteria. Right. Not the money. Tulsi Gabbard has not met the poll criteria, but she meets the donor criteria. So then you have three names here that are left off this list. Seth Moulton. Seth Moulton, yeah. He's a former Marine, Massachusetts uh, representative. Eric Swalwell. Yes. And Marianne Williamson. I had to look her up. I had no idea who she was. She's like an author. Yeah. And I, I think they call her like a spiritual advisor or something in she this like article. She's like a fucking life coach or something. I don't... I remember them saying... Yes, they call her an author and spiritual advisor. <coughs> unqualified so (laughs) she's not pulling or being donated to enough to be in the she likely won't be yeah yeah so (laughs) i i think i made this up in my head about how it was going to be randomized over two nights because i'm not reading that in this article so i think i must have misread something or made it up in my head but i I, I doubt it i'm sure you saw it somewhere i don't know what's going to happen in terms of how this will work but they are going to have um 10 candidates per night so it's going to be I think like a Friday and Saturday mm-hmm. uh, back-to-back debates and 10 candidates will go the first night and then 10 candidates will go the next night if there are Enough. 20 candidates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, if there's more than that, I think that they're going to choose some additional qualifiers that kind of uh, m- change the thresholds, I guess. I don't know how I feel about that. That seems to be moving the goalposts that will be you'll be able to retroactively um, eliminate certain people that you that the party doesn't want in. Just make the fucking rules. If they if they meet that criteria, let them in. Don't start tweaking it after the fact. Well, it says here, quote, if more than 20 candidates qualify, it will choose qualifiers based on a ranking system that incorporates both thresholds. Hmm. So maybe you will need to meet both the the donor and the polling in order to be i don't know anyway wh- whatever uh <laughs> so we're excited though because we are excited it's coming up i think it's in june yeah. i haven't seen a firm date on it yet but i think it's in june maybe like the second or third week of june yeah i think it's right in the middle yeah yeah and so that is coming up Really, really soon. Yeah, we will be covering all the de- all the debates. We For will be sure. covering just like we did with the past election cycle. It was a good time. Yeah, it was fun. We, I think we've got our system dialed in pretty well too. So, yeah. be looking forward to that. And we're gonna go. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Uh, if you are on the fence, 
about supporting the show, don't be. <laughs> Come on Get in. Get down off the fence. The water is warm. If you're financially in a position to help us out, two, three, five bucks a month, something like that, every little bit goes a long way. You're really helping support the independent work that we do here, the conversations that we really try to facilitate, and the amplification of your voice through participating in the conversation in voicemails and voice memos. So you can go to teamdollamore.com. That'll redirect you to Patreon. And we would really, really support, uh, appreciate your support very much. So we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore. And this has been I Doubt It. I remember getting so angry and saying, you've silenced me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, calm down. You're going to be fine.